I'm going to be speaking this morning out of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20, and uh, just want to give something real quick. Um, so it is a very difficult chapter to preach on, all right? Zach will finish the last half of that next week out of Ephesians 5, um, but I'm going to focus in those first 20 verses, and I'm going to tell you guys this. There are theologians and there are guys and ladies that have studied this, this passage of scripture like for years and years and years and years and they've struggled with it and, and you'll kind of understand some of these things as we jump into it. And I thought maybe that was the reason why Zach didn't want to preach it. He gave it to me because it's difficult, you know, so I'm going to take it, all right, uh, but glad we, get to, glad we get to talk about this. Um, so difficult stuff, tough stuff, but I got to ask you guys first. Are you guys good with that? Are we okay with it? Yep. It's gonna be challenging, it's gonna be tough, but we're gonna trust God, all right? Okay, good stuff. All right, so Ephesians 5, 1, verse verse says this. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Okay, hold on, we gotta stop right there. Okay, we're gonna stop, we're gonna unpack this a little bit. So Paul, who's the author of Ephesians, he's saying church at Ephesus, which is the, the what he's writing this letter to, the Ephesians, this book, he's saying, Church Ephesus, and every Christian till now, he's saying, we, based off of, you know, we need to imitate God based off of everything that God has done. And so some of those things we've talked about, if you remember the past four weeks, we've talked about how, you know, go back to chapter one and how God has predestined us for salvation and how, man, we have, you know, we, we've been forgiven of our sins. It's the whole reason why God came to the earth, gave his son Jesus to die on the cross. We've been given a new life in Jesus and, and we've been adopted into the family of God. And because, all, because of all this, Paul is saying we need to be imitators of God. And if maybe you're you know, anything like, like myself, when you hear that I'm supposed to be an imitator of God. Wait, let me ask you guys this real quick. All right, how many of you guys, we'll say it for everybody, I imitate God all the time. Yeah, we gotta laugh. Because it, it's, it's, it's something that we think about, we think, man, that is so profound. How can we really imitate God? God tells as his children, we're supposed to be imitators. We're supposed to follow in everything that we do and be just like Jesus. And it's interesting what he says in verse number one. He says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. He's, he, he says that. He's not saying to be loved children, okay? He's saying because you've given your life to Jesus, you've realized you were a sinner and realized that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and you're trusting in what Jesus did to save you from your sin. Because of that, you had that relationship with God. Because of that, imitate God. It's not to be my child, you have to imitate me. You need to imitate me. No, it's trust in what Jesus did and we're his child. And then we are to naturally imitate him. Now, verse number one, I got stuck on that one, okay, as you guys probably can understand, because it's a tough one. I thought, how can God, who created the universe, how can God, who's perfect, holy, expect me, who's totally messed up, and we've all agreed that we're all messed up because it's a difficult concept for us to understand to imitate God. But he, he tells us to do it. He tells us that even as sinners, we're to 
imitate God. It's, it's honestly, it's a little intimidating. It's a little scary. It's, it makes me a little worried to think, man, I'm supposed to do this. But I don't think God's wanting us to feel like that because he just told us to imitate him. I've got a friend uh, named Ryan uh, from back when I was in high school. Um, good friend of mine and uh, was, was friends with him uh, for you know, several years. And it was our junior year of high school. And uh, he, he came down to my house. We lived on the same street. And he came down to my house. I could tell he was really bothered about something. He's like, AJ, he's like, dude, you got a few minutes. He's like, I need to talk to you about something. All right, and so I was like, I could tell he was bothered, something. Okay, yeah, let's, let's go down to my base, you know, go down to the basement where my room was at at the time. And uh, I said, let's, you know, let's go down, we'll talk about it. So we sat down, <coughs> and uh, he you know, sits down, and he's like, AJ, he's like, man, he's like, I just, I found something out that it's really bothering me, man. I said, so what's up? He said, AJ, he said, I found out that I've been adopted since I was a baby. Now, real quick, okay, Ryan was kind of a dude that messed around a lot, okay, so he was, you know, I, I didn't think he was serious, all I'm trying to say, okay? Because I'm thinking, okay, he's messing around. And then a whole other side of this is he was, I mean, he, he even looked, and he's so much like his dad, looked like his dad, laughed like his dad, which was really creepy and weird, okay? Um, he talked like his dad, same facial expressions as his dad, all these, all these different things. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, he's messing around, but come to find out, he's not, and he, he was adopted, but I found it so hard to believe because in everything that this dude did, he was a spitting image of his dad. Actually, I did a little research on this topic of adoption and, and again, being like the, or like the parents, even though there's no biology that connects them. And it's interesting what I found out. It's actually, it's a legit thing, and it's called attunement. And it's essentially where the child, especially if they're adopted since they're a baby, they simply just watch mom and dad do their thing. Whether, you know, mom or dad stubs her toe, you know, whatever, in the middle of the night, or steps on a Lego. Any parents ever had that before? Yeah, and you respond not the best way? Okay, yeah, I have. All right. So, and, and so that attunement it happens, again, in the same facial expressions that the parent has and all these different things, they simply learn, now catch this, naturally just by spending time with their parents. It's just how it happens. It was the same way with Ryan. In a sense, they cannot help but to imitate their parents. That's, that's all they know how to do. Just simply imitate what mom and dad do and how they respond and different things they like and facial expressions. See, imitating God, it should be our natural response as we simply grow in our relationship with him. We should imitate God more and more as every day goes by as we simply learn about God, as we simply walk in our relationship with him. And it's just something that, like attunement, being in tune with God is something that should just naturally take place. As we learn about God in, in just various different forms, it should be a natural thing that happens. Paul, he lays out in our, in our verses today, he lays out practically 
how every one of us can imitate God. So let's, let's jump in, okay? Uh, first thing he says in, in verse number two, right after he says, hey, hey, as his children, you need to imitate God. Notice the first thing he says. He says, then walk in love. The first, first way Paul says that we need to uh, really imitate God is by walking in love. Now, if you're like me, I read this and I'm like, okay. And then I think about it, I'm like, okay, that's way harder than what I thought. Like I have to walk in love constantly. You know, how, how am I gonna do this? So Paul, he continues on in verse number two and he says this, uh, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us as a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. See, to help us understand this better, Paul, he says, he says this, love by Christ's example. Like the example that Christ showed in all they did with his life Love like that. There's, there's not a better example that we, we, any, anyone has of love than of Jesus. His, his whole reason why he came was because of love for us. And it's a true love that's sacrificial. He put every single person, all, think about this, all of mankind, past, present, future, Every single person, he came for a relationship with us and with one thing in mind, love. Paul, or uh, Jesus, he again, just throughout his life, puts others needs before him, but ultimately again, by giving his life to die on the cross for our, sin, our sins shows again that sacrificial love. You know, something maybe we can draw from this is that that's our example of love. How are we loving others that God has placed in our life? In reality, again, this is, it's a hard thing to think about. It's a hard concept to think, but it's what we have to do as believers. We're called to do hard things. We're called to love others unconditionally, regardless of choices that they have made in their life. <clears throat> uh, Paul just says in verse number two that when we love like this, that it is a, something that is, it's, that sacrificial love, it is well-pleasing to God. Man, he enjoys that. And that's what we should be about as believers. We follow in this example of Jesus and loving like Jesus. You know, we've all been connected to different people in life. We've got our TU students over here and Heidelberg students, and, and we've got different people from different walks of life. Some work at factories, some work at offices, some work at grocery stores, you know, just various different places. God has connected every one of us to people that, again, are at these different places. God has connected us to these people intentionally, again, placing them in our path so that we can share what Christ has done in our heart with them. I mean, it's not by accident that we're surrounded by people that don't know Jesus. And in fact, if we would go around and we would ask, you know, for a raise of hands, if you knew 30 or 40 or 50 people that don't know Christ, we would all probably be like, yeah, that's, that's us. And again, it's not by accident these people are in our, our friends, they're in our family, and again, they're even our coworkers. See, we have to be Jesus in our love, sacrificially putting what we want down and showing how to love others by following God's example. Paul, he would go on and say, so if that's the example, Paul would actually say that we need to resist the world's definition of love, which 
is, is simply this, it's self-love, all right? And, and Paul actually, he go, goes on a little bit more in verses three to seven, he says this, uh, but sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as is proper for saints. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather, notice this, giving thanks. For know and recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person, and then we'll stop right here, who is an adulterer does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners." See, the sins that he mentions, he, he talks about sexual morality and impurity and greed and, and these different things, they all stem from, again, that same root problem. They are coming from the wrong love. They're coming from self-love. They're coming from, really, what Paul says, if you remember back to that verse, he says, idolatry. Idolatry, it's really simple, all right? Idolatry is just this. It's us placing other things before God. And all the sins that Paul mentions He's saying they all stem from someone who is an adulterer. They stem from someone who's, who's putting their own love and their own happiness before the people. See, self-love, it's really just that. It's really just putting what you want before other people. It's making, really, every, every decision you make in life, it's making it about you know, whatever makes you happy, just go ahead and do it and pursue that, and as long as you don't hurt anyone too bad, like it's fine, it's all good. That's what the world tells us. That's what outside the church and outside the Bible, they teach us. For instance, a good example of this, and Paul calls it to our attention, it's the first thing he mentions is sexual immorality. Really simple, sex outside of marriage. And Paul, he brings this up and he's saying, hey, this, again, it's an issue and it's, it's an issue back then in this culture, but it's also an issue in our current culture. Again, sex outside of marriage. Hey, if, you know, as long as you want to go ahead, have fun doing that, you know, it's all good. It makes you happy. You know, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody too bad, then you're all good. Hold up. Problem is, it's not what the Bible teaches. Marriage, uh, sex outside of marriage, is a, it's, a, it's a holy thing. It's a sacred thing that's meant for that relationship, and when you express that outside of that, there's, there's consequences, there's things that happen. I, as a student pastor here at Grace, and, and I've been in student ministry for coming on eight years now, full-time student ministry, and, and, and this is probably one of the hardest areas for our students in our current culture. Like, this is one of the hardest things for them to struggle with because it's not popular. It wasn't popular back then, and it's still not popular now, but what we have to understand about all these different things, impurity, greed, sexual immorality, is this, Christianity should stand against that. Christianity is counter-cultural. What God's word says is what we should hold to. Paul, he shares that those who participate in this lifestyle, um, that you know, they're, they're people that, you know, as believers, that we shouldn't, we shouldn't be doing those things. That's the lifestyle of those, he says, who are disobedient. That's the lifestyle of those uh, people that have not followed Jesus. See, a true Christian cannot walk in love, which is, again, sacrificial love, putting others before ourselves, and live a life of only doing what benefits you. 
If you live a life of self-love and only happiness and making you happy, you're living in complete contrast what we've been taught everything about Jesus. It's total opposite. He saw our need and he put himself completely on the side all for the purpose of what? Reaching us, showing us his love. And Paul, he's, he's not saying that these people, um, he's not saying that if they claim to be Christians and they do this lifestyle, then they lose their salvation. They're not Christians anymore. That's not all what Paul's saying. Paul's simply saying this. If they claim to be a Christian, they follow that, they say they follow the example of love, but in everything they do, their life is about them and their life is about self-love. They're, they're serving idolatry, which is serving themselves and only focus on them. Paul's saying this, they're not a Christian. So again, it's, it's not an easy thing to hear, but man, it's something that we have to continue to put before us. And we have to, as believers, we've been forgiven. We've been given eternal life. We need to imitate God by walking in love. Paul would continue, and he'd say another area, another way that we need to imitate God is by not just walking in love, but also walking in the light. Verse 8 to 14, it says this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Testing what is pleasing to the Lord, don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul, he's not saying to avoid associating those that are in darkness. In fact, he's saying the very opposite, okay? Um, don't be... Don't be the Christian that lives inside the Christian bubble, all right? Um, don't be the ones that, you know, you give your life to Christ, and that's the best decision you can make. That's awesome. That's great. But don't be the ones that, again, you simply lose friendships over this. You know, you want to, again, just stay inside the bubble. Don't be that person, because that's actually, Paul's telling us not to be that person. How are we going to impact people for the kingdom, how are we gonna share the love of God with people if we live inside the bubble and say, you know what, we're gonna isolate ourselves from the world and we're just going to stay right here. We're not gonna focus on reaching people. We don't want that temptation to happen. That is the wrong mindset. Paul is saying, simply saying, do not make that kind of living, the living that maybe you once did in sexual immorality and really in darkness, that was your identity before, impurity was your identity before, greed was your identity before, coming off from self-love, which was your main, again, your identity. He's saying, as a believer, your identity should be in Jesus Christ, not in those things. He's not saying to go around and to point out the sins. It's kind of a harsh word he uses, but he says to expose them. Um, he's not saying to, to go around again and to point out flaws and all these people that are living in darkness. He's not saying that. Paul, he actually challenges believers multiple times throughout all the letters that he written in the New Testament. He, he challenges believers to live in the light for the purpose of reaching people that are in darkness. You know, one of, God has really done some awesome things in Tiffin and Grace Community Church. And one of one of my favorite things 
is whether it's conversation before, after church with Atrium, or whether it's at Walmart or Kroger or at you know one of the gas stations in the town. This has happened multiple times. Um, but one of my, my favorite things is you know I'll see somebody's like, hey, you know, you know that they come to Grace, or I've seen them maybe a time or two, and I'll ask them like, hey, you know, how's it going? Glad to see you've been coming to Grace and and all that. You know, it's going good. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll talk to them like, like hey, I'll ask them, how did you find out about Grace? And they always like ninety percent of the time. They say the same thing. You know, AJ, I got a friend that they've been coming to Grace for like ever since September and they invited me and man, we just love it. Man, if, if that's you, which we're challenged to do that, Paul tells us to be the light and to again, invite people just like that. If, if that's you, man, what an example of walking in the light. If, if that's you, you're inviting those people, man, what an example. Our life it should be different. Our actions should be different after we come out of the darkness. So much to point at that light is shed on those that are in darkness. And again, they see the difference. And they come and they grow in their relationship with God. See, as believers, if we only say we are the light, but our coworkers, they don't see the light. If we, we say we're the light, but our, our family doesn't see the light in our, in our actions, our coworkers don't see it in our work ethic, we say we're the light, uh, but you know, our, our friends don't see any difference. They see someone that's still involved in those same things of self-love before. My question is, what's the difference? Like, what's, what's the difference between living in darkness and living in light? See, the light should drastically change how we live. See, because all that God has done and brought us from darkness to light and we need to walk in the light. And then Paul, he says this in verse 15. He says, pay careful attention that to how you live. Notice this, not as unwise people, but as wise. Paul shares that we can imitate God by walking in wisdom. The Bible talks a lot about wisdom. Um, Book of Proverbs is chock full of wisdom. Uh, different Psalms David wrote, and, and just all kinds of different things, different books, different chapters in the Bible that specifically talk about wisdom. But what I love about what Paul shares is this. He gives us practical ways, practical life application ways that we can walk in wisdom. And he shares those in these next set of verses, verse 16 to 20. Making the most of the time, notice this, because the days are evil, so don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul says, Walk in wisdom, and if you can, go back to that first verse real quick, Jason. It said, he, he calls it out, and he says, hey, first, you want to walk in wisdom? Great, that's awesome. Imitate God in this way. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. And we have to make the most of our time and seek God's will. See, other translations actually say this. They say, Re, uh, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And it sheds light on the fact that, man, Time goes by really, really fast. 
I mean, it goes by super fast. How many of you guys have ever heard before, time flies? And you agree with it. You're like, I, time flies, I agree with it. Okay, awesome. Maybe, uh, maybe you're reminded of that. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm gonna say it, forgive me. Maybe you're reminded of that when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you're brushing your teeth and you're going, yep, there goes, there's another wrinkle. Like, you know, whatever, you know. For me, this is, this is, uh, this is becoming a reality, all right? For me, this year, I turned the big 3-0, all right? I'm excited, all right? Yeah, so I'm excited about that. Uh, but that being said, all right, I, I go back to this vivid memory that I have back when I was 10 years old, and I was, uh, eating, I was eating cake, and I don't know why I remember that, but I do. I'm eating cake at my Uncle Dave's 30th birthday. And I remember I was eating that cake, and it just hit me, like, man, 30 is forever away. Like, I'm 10 years old, and that's like three times as old as I am now. And I mean, when I get to that age, I'm going to have a house. I'm going to have a wife. I'm going to have kiddos. I'm going to have a car and a truck. And like, man, it's going to be great. I'm going to have a paycheck and my own job. I'm going to have money. And then what goes along with that was I forgot that you get bills too, right? So that all kind of goes in with that. And I, and, and I got all that, and I'm here, and 30's here, but I said that to say this. Time goes by so fast. As a 10-year-old kid, I could hardly even think of how old 30 is, and I'm here. Man, as adults, I think we get that concept. Time goes by so fast. We're told, hey, we have to make the most of our time. It goes by so fast. We have to be intentional about what we do with our time. Life is short. James 4 tells us that our life, it's like a vapor. It's here, and then it's gone. It's so short compared to eternity. You see, a question that might help us to know how to accomplish this in advancing the kingdom and sharing our faith, maybe a question that is one that we don't think about a lot, but it's, it's actually, it's this question. In a thousand years from now, what do you wish you would have done with your time? Anybody ever thought about that before? Like very, very few, if anybody, has ever thought about that. But in a thousand years from March 1st, 2020, what do we wish we would have done now? What do we wish we would have done? See, I think the answer, it's really, it's, it's pretty simple. As a believer and as someone that has given life to Jesus in light of eternity and, and all that's at stake of, of heaven and hell. See, I think the answer is, is pretty simple. If we've decided on Jesus, man, we need to use the gifts that God has given us to make the most out of our time. Time goes by so fast. The most important thing a thousand years from now will not be you know, any concern that we have now. Won't be any hobby that we have. Won't be any game that's getting played today. Won't be that the Buckeyes lost this year in the semifinals. Right? The only thing that matters a thousand years from now is heaven and hell. Man, use your gift that God has given you. He's placed specific people, we've talked about this, in life, all for the purpose of you sharing your faith with them. See, Paul, he tells us again, time is short. 
We don't have a lot of time left. Let's make the most of it. Redeem that time. Remember that we have so little time left. Use that to glorify God. And then next, he, Paul actually says this. He says in verse 18, he says, live life filled by the Spirit. See, our relationship with Jesus, it should be a constant and ongoing pattern of being filled. And, and actually, uh, Paul, when he says in verse 18, to be filled with the Spirit, that, that phrase in Greek actually means this, keep on being filled, like continually. It's an ongoing process that takes place throughout life. Continually let your heart be filled. Grow in your relationship with Jesus. Our problem is, you know, we need this reminder because most days, a lot of us struggle with this. And we especially struggle when things hit in life that are just difficult. When problems hit, when stress hits, when anxiety hits, Paul tells us to be filled with spirit. But he also mentions something that I don't think he does this by, I know he doesn't do this by accident, but he actually mentions to not, you know, be filled with wine. Don't get drunk on wine. See, and a lot of times when anxiety hits, problems hit, we seek avenues like this. Again, as Paul mentions, alcohol. Just to illustrate alcohol, it may bring a temporary numbness. It may bring a temporary feeling of happiness. But, we have to remember what the middle part of that verse says. And it says this also leads to reckless living. And I don't think that's something that, you know, we doubt. We get that. It leads to reckless living. So he says this, simply put, be filled with the Spirit. Grow in your daily relationship with Jesus. Holy Spirit gives peace, gives joy unspeakable, gives excitement for what God is doing in your life. See, most people, they want to know or want to find out where that line is. Like, this is the verse that a lot of people go to, and they try to figure out, okay, where, you know, where's the line that I have to walk, but I'm still right with God, and I can tiptoe that line, and if I'm right with God, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not sinning, I'm not drunk, you know, where is that line? And, and Paul actually tells us right here, and, and he tells us, hey, forget tiptoeing the line. Like, if that's your attitude, then that's... You've already, done, you've already messed up. Like, forget that. Forget tiptoeing the line and just pursue your relationship with Jesus. Be filled with the Spirit. Alcohol cannot give you something the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit can give way more. Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Focus on Jesus. Forget the line. Push the line back. Forget that and focus on building your relationship with Jesus. How do we do that? How do we daily do that? There's some different avenues, some different ways that we can do that. How do we be filled with the Spirit? Prayer. How do we fill the Spirit? Spend time with God every day in his word. Another, another big, big one that's been going on at Grace, is, is our, at Grace Community Church is fellowship. Uh, we started this, these home groups, small groups this year, um, back at the end of January. And man, it has been, it's been it's been exciting and to hear all the talk about it. I know even in our group, man, what I love about it is that when we go through struggles and stresses like we've all expressed in life and, and even, you know, just, just different issues, 
What, it, what has been awesome about those groups has been we've been able to pour out our hearts to each other. Man, share those moments of anxiety and, and different things and problems. And then work as a team to try to, again, in fellowship and community, to try to help each other out as we do this thing called life where we're trying to pursue our relationship with Jesus every day and share our faith with others. And different things, may, you know, maybe even Christian music, worship, whatever. There's all kinds of different avenues that God has given us to be filled by the Spirit. Don't need to resort to alcohol. Some other things may be, just to name a couple, maybe, you know, social, mindless social media scrolling. You know, some people resort to that when anxiety hits or stress hits. Uh, you know, another one may be binge watching TV. You know, maybe gossiping with a friend. I mean, all these things, and alcohol included, none of them, none of them can fix the problem. The only thing that can fix the problems that we're faced with in life is by being filled with the Spirit. It's the only thing that can fix, again, and give peace and give life. Alcohol produces reckless living. Being filled with the Spirit, Paul tells us, produces joy, love, and peace. Mindless social media scrolling uh, it produces time wasted, unrealistic expectations and comparisons with other, lifestyle, other lives. Being filled with the Spirit produces love, joy, and peace. Gossip, it produces deeper bitterness. Being filled with the Spirit produces love, joy, and peace. See, that's the result of being fulfilled, of being filled in the Spirit, is that we have love, joy, and peace. Paul says our response to this should be uh, really joy-filled praise. In light of everything like that Paul, he's just shared, in light of all that stuff, this is adopted children, and we can imitate God. And we not only can, we're called to in verse number one. God's called us to imitate him. With joy, we should be imitators of God. How? By, again, walking in love, by walking in light, and by walking in wisdom. As we imitate God, again, Paul, he, he ends this, uh, this whole set of scripture by saying, hey, a natural reaction to something that we're excited about is joy. One of those ways that we express joy is by singing. He talks about you know, singing psalms and, and hymns, and, and when he's saying hymns, he's not, he's not referencing you know, the hymns written necessarily in the 1700s. All right? He's saying worship songs that glorify God. He says singing songs in our heart and out loud to God. He, he's given this list. This should be a natural reaction of joy as we spend time with God. So, and a lot of times we close our services here at Grace with a song like we're gonna do in, in just a few minutes. We, we, close, we close the message out with a song, and again, it's, it's to be, and we intentionally do that so it gives you one more opportunity to really show your praise and glory to God for what he's done today. And maybe in the message, God has, has showed you need to walk in love a little bit more. Maybe, maybe you're, you are a believer, but you've not walked in love like you should, or maybe you're not walking in light, you're not being that light. Man, again, grace would not be where it is today except for the grace of God, except for believers that take the gospel serious and that invite people to church. And God is doing great things here, and it's because of God's grace and the church going out and inviting people. Or maybe you need to walk in wisdom. Maybe you need to make the most of your time. Again, life is short. We have to redeem that. We have to, go, we have to make sure that we're making the most of our time. 
Paul lays out for us three areas that, again, we can imitate God. Walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for just all that you've done today. God, thanks for your word and, God, just the conviction, God, and the, uh, just the realness of it. Um, God, you, you tell us in verse 1 that we're supposed to imitate you, but, God, we admit we're messed up people. God, we admit that we fall short of that so many times. But, God, you give us an example of how to love being your son, Jesus. You give us examples, God, again, of how to share that light. God, you give us examples of how to walk in wisdom, God, out of Ephesians chapter five. I pray you help us, God, as we, again, we praise you now, God, just because of all that you've done. God, you help us to lead this place, God, and, and to go and to be imitators of you wherever we go whether it's grocery store, whether it's at home, God, whether it's at work, that help us to remember to imitate you in all we do. In Christ's name.